0: Title of my message is I'm going to do a little intro and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer like we normally do. But the title of my message this evening is: Are you running to win? Uh, in other words, are you running for first place? Uh, are you running for the prize? Are you running to take home the trophy? Because the reality is, running is one thing, but running to win is another. Amen. Running to win is what matters, and we can enter into a race, but if we're not running to win, uh, don't count on winning. How many of you know God's looking for some winners tonight? How many of you ever played a sport or ran track in high school or in college? Anybody? I know I have. played a lot of sports, was in a lot of leagues, and I promise you, every time I played a sport, Every time I played football, every time I played baseball, every time I played tennis, every time I played racquetball or volleyball, any time that I swam in a swim meet or I ran a race, I did so to win. Amen? I didn't run to come in second. I didn't run to come in third. I didn't run to get an honorable mention. I ran so that I might win, church. I played a lot of sports like I did, and every time I put on my uniform, every time I played the game, I did so to win. I was so much about winning that my family and friends always told me that I was too competitive. But how many of you know when it comes to the race of faith, God's looking for some competitive people, amen? He's looking for some people that are willing to lace up and put on the uniform of their Christian faith and run in such a way that they might win. And if you ever played in a sport or you ever ran track, I promise you, just like me, you never prepared to lose. You never practiced to lose. You never played the game in order to come in second or third or fourth, like I said, because the goal of every athlete is to win. It's to take home the trophy, amen? And in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, Paul tells us that as Christians, we're to do that very thing. He says, do you not realize, or do you not know, or some say, has no one told you that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? Therefore, you are to run in such a way that you might win he said. And you underline that in your scripture if you can. Paul was saying, I want you to run in such a way that you might gain the prize. I want you to run in such a way that you might cross the finish line of faith because how many of those are some individuals in the house of God that will allow situations and circumstances of life or the temptations of this world to keep them from crossing the finish line? But why Paul writes is because he wants us all that are in the faith to cross that finish line of faith. He's saying, run in such a way that you might hear the words, well done and well run, thy good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen. Run in such a way that you might win. Not to get honorable mention, not to go home with a participation trophy. How I many of you know that's the big thing in sports nowadays? Everybody gets a trophy. But that's not what God or the Scripture is talking about here. He's saying, I want you to run not to get honorable mention. I want you to run not to get, you know, a participation trophy. I want you to run to take home the prize, to, to be able to wear the crown, and to be able to take home the trophy. Amen? So my question is, the first question is this evening, how many of you want to win that race of faith? Then there's a certain way that we must run, the Bible tells us. There's a certain way that we have to practice. There's a certain way that we have to be prepared or a certain way we have to prepare. And it's why Paul was try- It's what Paul was trying to teach the Corinthian church 2,000 years or so ago. And it's what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to still teach his people today, how to run in such a way that you might win. And that's the word that we're going to look at this evening, because God wants us to walk out of here winners tonight, amen? So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll go to the word and what the Holy Spirit has given me. So Father, we just praise you for this day, and thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father God, for the opportunity to be in your house. I I thank you for the opportunity to be a spokesperson, Father God, of of your word. And I pray as I always do, God, tonight that you would give me the tongue of the learned, that that I might speak a word in season for your people, God, that they might be encouraged by your word and challenged by your word. If they need to be corrected by your word or trained up by your word, I, I pray that that would be done tonight, God that your word would be living and active and and do something, Father God, in the lives of each and every one of us. I pray for your anointing over me, that I would come under your authority and under your power, and the same for every listener tonight, God. Let us be able to leave here tonight challenged and changed by your word, and we give you all the praise and all the glory, and everyone said Amen. amen. One of the first things that I want us to understand about 1 Corinthians is that it was written to a body of believers who were living in a society uh, that was saturated by sin. It was a Roman... City And it was saturated by sin. Uh, the Christians or the Corinthian church was inside of a society or city that was filled with idolatry. It was filled with sexual immor- immorality and promiscuity. And it was filled with all kinds of corruption as well. And Paul writes these words to the Corinthian church because those things had made their way into the house of God. These things, such as sexual immorality and corruption and all these other things that he was referring to, had made their way into the lives of God's people. So he writes these words as a form of correction. He writes these words as a form of instruction to the church to pinpoint or talk about several areas of their lives that needed correction. And how many of you know the Word of God says that the Word of God is good for correction? It's good for reproof. It's good for training in righteousness. And one of the ways that I want us to understand, one of the greatest ways for us to be prepared to run in such a way that we might win is to have the word of God as one of our you know, have the word of God in our life. It, it helps us to train ourselves in righteousness. It helps us to train ourselves in the way that we should run and reminds us of the ways that we shouldn't run along with the power of the Holy Spirit. But Paul writes this uncompromising letter to the, the church in Corinth because he, he had understood and he had heard that there was a spiritual deficiency in their life. Paul writes these words because it had come to his attention that the people that he had ministered to and the people that he had taught the truths to and the people that, that he had instructed once before, they were no longer living according to the words that he had given to them. And they had, he, he had heard about a spiritual deficiency that was taking place in the lives of God's people. How many of you know we can be a Christian and still have a spiritual deficiency in our life? We can be Christian, we can love the Lord, but we can still have spiritual deficiencies in our life, and this is why he wrote to the church of Corinth, because he recognized and understood that there was a spiritual deficiency, maybe a spiritual uh, uh, immaturity or a, a spiritual complacency that was taking place in their lives, and their lives were now becoming corrupted by the society in which they lived. The same holds true today. The society that we live in has the power to corrupt even a Christian, amen? And it's why Paul and the Holy Spirit writes these words to us, always for us to be on guard, always to be training ourselves in righteousness, always letting the Word of God correct us and speak to us so that we can run in such a way that we might win, that we're not overtaken by the ills of society and the corruption of society or the sexual immorality of society. But that we can run in such a way that's pleasing to the Father, amen, that brings glory to the Father, that we can run in a way that is righteous before the Lord. But he writes in verse 24, he's speaking to a spiritual deficiency that he sees in the people. It's why he wrote them and says, do you not realize, do you not know, has no one told you? And I'll pause right there. He was using these words to remind them. It's like he knew that they knew the truth do you not know? Do you not realize? Has not someone told you? And Paul wrote these words knowing that he had already told them all these things. But the reason he said it was because they were acting like no one ever told them how to live. He, they were living like no one ever told them how they're supposed to live their life, how they're supposed to run the race how they're supposed to be running in a path of righteousness. So he says, do you not know? Do you not realize? Has no one told you that that in a race everyone runs, but only one gets the prize? Therefore, you are to run in such a way that you might win. Again, run in such a way that you might win. Please understand, Paul didn't say, and I know I'm going to be repetitive of this, but Paul didn't say, run in such a way so you can get third place. He didn't say run in such a way so you can even come in second. He didn't say run in such a way so you can get a participation trophy. He said run in such a way that you might win. And I say that again because, listen, I'm not, to, I'm not saying taking anything away from the athlete that comes in second. I'm not taking anything away from the athlete that comes in third or, or comes in fourth or, or, or gets an honorable mention, but I want you to understand this. There's not a single athlete that I know that plans to come in second, that plans to come in third, that plans or practices or goes through the routine of, of the race in order to come in anything but first place. When I played sports, and any of you that did, I, I'm just telling you, I never had in my mind, well, I'm going to practice today so I can come in third place. But yet Christians act like that sometimes. And this is why Paul was writing to them, because they were living like it was okay to come in third place. They were living like it was okay to come in last place. It, it was okay not to, to be first to, to win, And so he writes to them because he sees the spiritual deficiency in them. He sees a weakness in their running. And so he writes and reminds them, Do you not know that only one person wins the prize? So when you run, run in such a way that you might win. Listen, you might not come in second, but you got to run like you want to come in first. You might come in third, but you got to run like you want to come in first. You might get the honorable mention, but you got to run like you want to come in first place. And see, that's what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us here. He's not saying that, man, uh, you know, I'm not proud of you when you come in second or third or, or you know. He's saying, I want you to run in such a way that you might win, Amen. to be wholly devoted and wholly committed and to do all the practice and the, the sacrifices that you have to in order to come in first place. Listen not everybody, not everybody's going to come in first place, but everybody needs to run like they can want to or want to take first place. Amen. So one of the things I want us to notice about verse 24 is that it reveals to us that there is a right way to run and a wrong way to run. There's a, there's a way to run that leads us to victory, and there's another way that leads us to defeat. There's a way to run that takes us into the winner's circle, and there's a way that, another way that disqualifies us instead. If you know anything about track, you know anything about running, you know anything about certain sports, you can be disqualified from, from the race by running the wrong way, by starting off the block too soon, by, by doing something that is against the rules. You can be disqualified from a race. And Paul was saying, look, you got to run in such a way that you might not be disqualified. But here's the reality is, this world will try to do everything it can to disqualify you. This world will do everything it can to disqualify your testimony. This world will do everything it can to disqualify you from having anything to say about the kingdom of God or having any power for the kingdom of God. And it's why Paul writes these words and the Holy Spirit speaks these words so we can run in such a way that we might win, church. Paul wrote these words because the Corinthian church wasn't running like it should, There's a certain way that the church should run, amen? There's a certain way this church should live and move and breathe. There's a certain way the church should dress and a certain way the church should talk and a certain way the the church should do business. There's a certain way this church should, should act out there in a lost and dying world in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. It's what Paul was teaching the Corinthians. You ought to be living differently in the midst of a crooked society, but you're not, he said. You're running like it's okay to lose. And so he said, he he brought this reminder to them that you ought to be running in such a way that you might win, church. The sad reality is, listen, they were covered in compromise and they were covered in sexual immorality. Remember, these things had made their way into the, the church and into the lives of the people. And Paul wrote these words because they were cloaked and compromised. They were running on the path of personal pleasure instead of on the road of righteousness. And how many of you know that as Christians, we're supposed to be running on the road of righteousness. But far too often, the Holy Spirit and God finds us running on the path of personal pleasure instead. What we want and what we desire... Walking in our own ways instead of the ways of God. Doing what's right in our own eyes instead of the eyes of God. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the church in general. The church needs to be reminded from time to time. Amen. I need to be reminded. You need to be reminded from time to time that there's a race that we're running and we're supposed to run in such a way that we might win. That we can't run on the path of personal pleasure. Because how many of you know the path of personal pleasure never leads to the winner's circle? It never takes us to the glory zone. It never takes us to the prize. It never takes us to that place where we can put on the, the crown or take up the trophy. It leads us to the pig pens of pain instead, church. It leads us to, to loss and to suffering, to, to hurt and to heartache. There's nothing pleasurable at the end of the path of pleasure. I mean, the devil paints it really good, and the devil paints it really fine. And for a moment, a fleeting moment, uh, we get to experience that pleasure. But at the end is nothing but, the Bible says, pain and destruction. Oh, boy, when that prodigal son took off from his daddy's home, his father's home, he thought, man, I'm on the path of personal pleasure, Woo! I'm going to live it up like I never have before. And he thought his whole life would be that way. Where'd he end up? In a pig pen of pain and suffering. Samson, the same way for a lot of his life. He walked on the path of personal pleasure. And he ended up in a place of pain and suffering when he could have done so much more for the kingdom of God all because he, he walked according. He wasn't running right. When David fell with Bathsheba, he wasn't running the way that he should. When Samson fell into the lap of Delilah, he wasn't running like he should run. You understand what I'm saying? They lost that race they lost their ability to do even greater things for the kingdom of God because they took the path of personal pleasure instead of that of the road of righteousness. They weren't running like they should. And the thing, the, 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 the sad truth is, I'll point at me, there's times in my life where I'm not running like I should. And there's nothing at the end of that road, I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit that comes and speaks to us, right, and tries to get us back on the right path. that's what Paul's trying to do to the Corinthian church, amen? Amen. The sad reality is sometimes we're like them, we're like the the Corinthian church where they, they took their eyes off the prize. They took their eyes off the prize. And far too often, we do the same thing, church. They took their eyes off the prize, and it's why they ended up where they did. Far too often, we forget that we are in a spiritual race for our lives, We're in a spiritual race for our lives, church. Listen, the reality is when it comes to the race of faith, it's do or die. It's the truth. It's do or die because you win this race or you lose this race. There is no second place in the race of faith. There is no honorable mention in the race of faith. There's no participation trophy in the race of faith. You win or you lose. And so we have to run in such a way that we might win, amen. I mean, we might run it. We might run it stronger than others that win. You yeah, know, we might run it. We might run it quicker than others run it. But when it comes to the race of faith, we all have to run to win, amen. That's what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us. Far too often, we forget that this is an everyday race. I think sometimes we forget that we are in a race, a spiritual race, every single day, church. Every day we have to run to win. Every day. It's the days that we think we can take off that we lose. It's the days that we think we can take off that we stumble and fall. It's the days we think we can take off where the enemy overtakes us and and cloaks us in carnality or worldliness or, or corruption. It's what happened with the Corinthian church. Thought I can take off today. I can take off today. I can relax today. And every step, every, every form of it takes us this much farther away from victory and this much farther away from the Lord. It's what happened with them. It happens with us all the time. Well, I can skip church today. I can skip the word today. I can skip prayer today. I can do that today and then it turns into another day and another day and another day and another week. And before you know it, guess what? You're out of the race altogether. And you wonder why you're in a place of pain and suffering because you're not running, we're not running in order to win. That's what the Holy Spirit's trying to teach us. Every day we have to be disciplined. Every day we have to be prepared. Every day we have to be devoted. Every day we have to be determined, church. Every day we have to be prepared to run this race. Every day we have to be focused on the Father. Every day we have to get into the Word. Every day, church, we have to train ourselves in righteousness because every day is a spiritual race. Every day we have to run in order to win. And if we don't, we risk losing, church. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 9.25 that all athletes are disciplined in their training. He said they're determined in their training, they're committed in their training, they're devoted in their training, they're, they're wholehearted in their training, they're not half-hearted and, and what the, the, the word is trying to teach us is that when it comes to running to win, you can't be half-hearted about it, you got to be all in, you got to be all in you got to be wholly, fully devoted. You have to be completely disciplined. You have to be completely devoted. You have to be completely determined. Every single day, you can't be half-hearted and win the race. There's no athlete that will ever win a sport if they're half-hearted. I'll give it some today. I don't know any athletes that do that. I know athletes that are are racked with pain, broken bones, or sprains, and and they're still giving it everything that they've got. Why? Because they want to win. Because they want to take home the trophy. Because they want to hear, well done, well run, well fought, well played. They want to hear the the recognition of the Father that, that you did a good job, you didn't quit when things got tough. You didn't throw in the towel when things got rough you ran with perseverance, you, you ran deliberately, you disciplined yourself through the hard times of, of life. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize, it will fade away. But we, Paul said, do it for an eternal prize. Listen, if an earthly athlete goes through all of that to win a temporary prize, an earthly prize. How much more should we as spiritual athletes, church, do what is required to win an eternal prize? I don't know if you've ever looked at it this way, but you are supposed to be a spiritual athlete for the kingdom of God. You and I are supposed to be spiritual athletes for the kingdom of God, not bystanders. Not individuals that that sit up in the stands and cheer someone else. Yeah, it's good to cheer others, but, but God wants us to be spiritual athletes for the kingdom of God. And he wants us to win. And there's things we have to do and things we shouldn't do in order to win. But he goes on and he says, they did it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So here's the ones I want you to underline. He said, so I run with purpose in every step. And I pause to remind us that Paul was purposed in every step that he took in his race of of faith. He said, I have purpose in every step. Paul knew where his steps were leading him. Paul knew what he wanted to do when he stepped out at the beginning of every day. Paul, Paul had purpose in every step. Everywhere that he went, he had purpose. Every step that he took was filled with purpose. He didn't just wake up every day and say, oh, well, I wonder what I'll do today. I'll walk down this road, and and, and I wonder where it'll take me today. Uh, You know, just wander in circles. He had purpose in every single step that he took when he became converted for the kingdom of God. He had purpose before he got saved, but he had a new purpose after he got saved. Listen, when we're unsaved and we're out there in the world, listen, your steps have purpose too. You know what you want, and you go after it and get it. But our purpose changes when we become part of the kingdom of God. And Paul was saying, I run with purpose in every step. I don't run aimlessly. I don't just say, hey, I'm going to take off and wonder where I end up. He was purposed in every step, church. Paul had direction and determination in every step. Paul was deliberate with every step that he took in his spiritual life. And it's why he was able to say at the end of his life, it's why he was able to say, I ran the race. I fought the fight. I kept the faith. Why? Because he was purposed in every step. And what the, whole, what the devil wants to do is make sure that you're not purposed. He, he, he doesn't want you to have any purpose in your step. He'd rather you wander aimlessly like the children of Israel for 40 years, round and round and round. Not stepping into their purpose. How many of you know that God has a purpose for you? He has a purpose for your life. Amen, guys? And we all know that the devil has tried to take that purpose away from us. But Paul was teaching us and saying, look, every day you ought to have purpose in your steps. When you and I step out of the house and we go to work or, or, or we send our kids off to school or wherever it is we go and wherever our steps may lead us, there should be purpose in those steps. We should be purpose to walk in the ways of the Lord. We should be purposed to glorify Him in what we do. We should be purposed to share the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. We should be purposed to go out into a lost and dying world. We should be purposed to please Him, church. To be a reflection of the kingdom of God. We should have purpose in our steps. It should be every step we take. Let me say it this way. should be on purpose, not by mistake. The sad reality is sometimes... The purpose can be in the wrong direction. The prodigal son had purpose in his steps, but it was the wrong purpose. He, he stepped out purpose to please himself. Guess where he ended up? So listen, it's not just that our steps. I said all that to say our steps shouldn't just have purpose. They need to have divine purpose. They need to have heavenly purpose. They need to have righteous purpose. Every time we step out the door, we say, God, I want to be purposed for you today. It's that simple. God, God, lead my footsteps in in the way that they should walk. Let your word be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Listen, if you don't have the word of God in your life, you can't walk purposely. You can't walk divinely because the word of God is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. That's how you run in such a way that you might win. Walk in such a way that you might win. Let the word of God be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path because it will lead you along the path of righteousness. Without it, you'll wander. Without it, we'll end up in a pig pen. Without it, we'll end up in hurt and heartache, church. But when our steps are divinely purposed, they take us to the winner's circle. Amen? Listen, if we want to win, if we want to cross the finish line and win the prize, we must run with divine purpose in every single step. And our steps must be determined to win. And I say that because, listen to me, every day the devil will come against you determined to keep you from winning. He's determined to tear you down. He's determined to get you to throw in the towel. He's determined to get you to give up. He's determined to tempt you and and knock your life upside down. He's determined to, to, to seduce you. But we have to be determined to win. When it's rough, when it's tough, when temptation knocks, when, when it begins to rain, when the sky grows dark, when the doctor gives a bad report, when the enemy comes in against us like a flood, we have to be determined to keep on running. Running. Amen. Got to keep our eyes on the prize, amen? Listen, Paul goes on to say, he goes on to say, down here at the end of, uh, I believe it's verse 25, he says, all, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it in order to win a prize that fades away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step, he says. And then he says, in the same verse, he says, and I don't box without aim either. In other words, I don't punch without purpose. And I I find it interesting. He's talking about running a race, and then all of a sudden he turns to, and I don't punch without purpose either. He's talking about running a race, and and then all of a sudden he talks about a fight. He talks about boxing. Well, the reason that he does that is to remind us that our race is a fight as well. We're not just running a race, we're fighting a fight. That's why Paul said, I ran the race and I fought the fight, because our race is a fight. Because along the way and along that path, every time you're running, the devil will come against you, and listen, you better fight as you run. This is what he's telling us. you got to fight as you run. You better put on some boxing gloves when you put on your cleats, because the enemy's going to come against you, and you got to give him a right here, and you got to give him a left here, and you got to give him an uppercut here. Because his goal is to knock you out. His goal is to take you out. So what he's teaching us is that that our steps have to have purpose. But we got to punch with purpose as well. Because we're in a fight. We're not just running a race. We're fighting a fight. And you got to run with purpose. And you got to punch with purpose. Listen, when you go to the prayer closet, you better pray with purpose too. Because the enemy's out to get us. And we have to be equipped and we have to be trained in order to win the race and win the fight. If you want to win, you have to be willing to fight to the finish, church. Amen? You have to punch with purpose. We can't let off. We can't back off. We can't ease up on the enemy because you think the enemy is going to ease up on you and me? No way. He's waiting for that moment of our weakness. So he can give us an uppercut and knock us off to the floor. He's waiting for that moment where he can just swing away at us when our arms are down and, and, we're, not, and we're not fighting like we should fight. We can't let up because the enemy won't let up on us, church. So every day we got to put on our cleats every day. we got to put on our gloves because we're running a race and we're fighting a fight. Paul said, it's why Paul said in verse 27, I discipline my body like an athlete and I train it to do what it should. And he's talking about the the body of flesh. Because how many of you know, he said, "I, I discipline my body like an athlete and I train it to do what it should. Because how many of you know the flesh wants to do what it shouldn't, right? Flesh doesn't want to do what it should. The flesh wants to do what it shouldn't do, church. The the flesh always craves what it shouldn't have. It craves the opposite of what the spirit craves. They're they're in a constant conflict. Amen. The Bible says that the the spirit and the flesh are constantly at war with one another. And one craves what it what is good, and one craves what is bad. Uh, the spirit craves what we should have, and the the flesh craves what we shouldn't have. And I think we've all been there in our life, where we're facing those moments where you got the devil on this shoulder, and you got the the spirit of the Lord on this shoulder, and the devil wants one thing, and the, and the Spirit of God wants another, and we're like this. Which one do I listen to? Because one wants one thing, and one wants the other, but one leads to death and destruction and pain, and the other leads to the winner's circle. Amen. And so this is what he says, I discipline my body, and I train it to do what it should, church, It's why we have to walk by the Spirit. It's why we have to run in the Spirit. It's why we have to be led by the Spirit, because the flesh craves what's wrong. And it's why we have to depend on the Holy Spirit every single day. When we run, we need to run in the Spirit. When we walk, we need to walk by the Spirit. When we fight, we have to fight with the Spirit. Amen, church? Listen, Paul said, I train myself to do what I should He was one, even in another passage in the Bible, if you know Paul and some of his letters, he says, I don't know why I do the very thing I hate. Because he's, he's admitting that there's a struggle between the flesh and between the spirit. But he gives us the answer how to do what's right, to do what we should, and it's the word of God and it's the Holy Spirit, amen? But he says, I train myself to do what I should, and so must we, church. There's some things we should be doing in order to win, There's some things we should be doing to stay on the path of righteousness. We should read the Word of God regularly. We should pray with purpose, church. We should, we should study the Word of God to, to show ourselves approved, to be, to be equipped to, to wield the, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God when we face the enemy. We should practice spiritual disciplines in our life. We should avoid worldly temptation. We should, we should shun evil, church. We should create accountability in our lives. We should come into the house of God on, on a regular basis, church. We should... Seek his face, the Bible says. We should be rooted in him. We should be yoked to him. We should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, church. And the list goes on and on and on of the things that we should do. We should be doing them all, church. I train my body to do what it should. And then he closes this out by saying, otherwise. I fear that after preaching to others, I might be disqualified. Here's the the greatest New Testament author there is. And he says, I have to train myself to do what I should. Otherwise, I fear I might be disqualified. Man, if there's anybody that ever ran the race of faith like we should want to run the faith, it's Paul. And Paul is saying even at his level of spirituality, I have to train myself to do what I should. Listen, it's not easy to do what we should from time to time. It's easy. Listen, our nature, natural nature, fleshly nature, is to take the path of least resistance. Amen? I mean, man, we want to be lazy sometimes, but we can't afford for our spirit to be lazy. Our spirit has to be disciplined. Our spirit has to be motivated. Our spirit has to be worked out. Our spirit has to be trained to do what it should do every single day. That's why we got to be in the Bible every day. It's why we should be in God's presence every day. It's why we should be in church every week. It's why we should do these things. Amen? Because it strengthens us to do what he wants us to do, otherwise, we risk being disqualified. Listen, I don't know about you, but I I, I think I know what your answer is. I don't want to be disqualified from this race. Amen. Amen. Neither do you. Amen. I don't want to come up short. I don't want to miss the mark. I want to hear well run. I want to hear well done. I want the crown of glory. And I'm not saying that selfishly. I'm just saying that I want that because God promised it to me. And there's, there's no better prize that I can gain than, the, than gain the prize of eternal life. I'm to be with the Father forever. But it'll only happen if I do what I should. Amen? It'll only happen if I discipline myself. It'll only happen if I'm purposed in my steps. Paul wrote these words 2,000 years ago because the church was undisciplined. The church of Corinth was undisciplined. And sometimes God has to speak the same word to his church today because we too can become undisciplined. We too can become lulled to sleep or lulled into complacency or lulled into mediocrity. So the Holy Spirit brings us a word like this to recharge us. Amen? Amen. To put a little more run in our running, to put a little more prayer in our praying, put a little more song in our singing, Amen. He just this is the way the Holy Spirit works, but it'll only happen if we if we are purposed and if we are disciplined, Church. That's why Paul said, "I want every step in my life to have purpose." I want every step I take to to take me closer to the prize. I I want every step to have divine direction, so I run with purpose in every step. And the reason that the Holy Spirit brings these words to us is because he wants our steps to have spiritual purpose as well. Amen? He wants our steps to take us in the right direction. So the question this evening is, it's very simple, are you running to win? Are you running with purpose? Are you running with divine uh, determination and and divine devotion, church? It's important if you want to win. Listen, the matter of of running is so important to Paul that he speaks again a similar word in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 when he says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith or the, the race of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us so we might win. And we do this, he said, by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. So listen, if we want our steps to have purpose and power, we can't run just any old way we choose. If you want your steps to be filled with purpose and filled with power and and take you in the... We can't just run any old way we choose. How do we have to run? We run according to his will. We run according to his word. We run according to the purpose that he has for our lives, amen, which is a perfect purpose. We can't live as we please and expect to receive the crown of glory, We can't go through life cloaked in in carnality and worldliness and expect the Lord to say, well done and well run. We can't expect to get to the finish line if we just allow the world to, to throw its stuff on us and do nothing to rid ourselves of it, church. But it's what Paul said. He said, if you want to win the race, you have to strip off every weight and every encumbrance that slows you down. And then he says, especially the sin that so easily entangles us. Listen, there's some things in life that can weigh you down that aren't necessarily sin. There's things that can just weigh you down. And keep you from running like you're supposed to run. Keep me from running like I can run. There are some things that would not necessarily be categorized as sin in the Word of God, but they have the power to weigh us down. And Paul said that we have to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that we're willing to strip off those earthly, worldly weights in order for us to run with endurance the race that is set before us, church, Listen, there's a lot of things this world has to offer us that has the power to slow us down, that has the power to keep us out of the prayer closet, that has the power to keep us from reading the Word of God, that has the power to keep us from coming to church. And they're not necessarily sins, but they have the power to distract us. They have the power to disrupt us. They have the power to get us to to become lazy spiritually, amen, and undisciplined spiritually. And Paul was saying, look, I'm so determined to win that all those earthly things I'm willing to strip away, especially the sin that so easily besets us. And listen to me, every one of us know what that sin is in our life, and it might be different for every one of us, but every single one of us know that one area of our life where we're weak. Amen. Every single one of us know that area that, that the devil has the power to trip us up and knock us down. Maybe it's pride. Pride. Maybe it's ego. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's money. Mammon. You see what I'm saying? Every single one of us know that area that has the power to trip us up. So Paul was saying, look, if you want to win this race, you got to be willing to strip aside all of those things that have the power to slow you down, especially the sin that so easily entangles you. So God, help me to run with endurance today. God, help me to strip away those things that have the power to slow me down today. God, you know that area of weakness, so strengthen me in that today, God. You know where I have the potential to fall. You know where I have the potential to stumble. So strengthen me, God. And when I'm faced with that moment, because that moment will come, I pray, God, that you give me the endurance to keep on running. Yeah. Amen. And the Holy Spirit will do that. That's how we prepare ourselves to win. Amen. He so said, I'm going to start winding this down. Paul says we win by separating ourselves from the contaminating influences of this world. We win by not being conformed to this world or yoked to this world, but rather by stripping this world away from our lives. Amen? We can't win if we're cloaked in the wrong thing. We'll never win if we're cloaked in compromise or complacency, church. Listen, I've never seen a runner, other than in practice, and I don't want to mix up your thought here. I've never seen a runner get up to the starting block of a race and then put extra clothes on. I've never seen a runner come up to that starting block when the the gun's about to fire and say, I think I'll wrap some weights around my ankles here. Now, they do it in practice to build up resistance, They'll put on extra stuff to help build up their muscles, and I'm not talking about bad things, but I don't know a single runner that gets to that, that, gets to that block. I, I don't know a single swimmer that stands on that launching pad and then says, hey, bring me some extra clothes and bring me some extra weights, because if the swimmer does that, guess what he's going to do when he dives in? Right to the bottom. They strip off every weight that has the potential to slow them down. I was on the swim team, and I didn't last long because I didn't want to shave my head. My hair means something to me. But my coach wanted us to all shave our heads. And I had friends that were shaving their heads and shaving their arms. Why? To strip away every weight so they could win. I quit. (laughs) I tried a ball cap a few times, but... I wasn't, the greatest, I wasn't the greatest swimmer, but you get my point. And God's saying the same thing every day. God, what is it that has the potential to weigh me down? What is it that has the potential to trip me up? What is it that I can get rid of that helps me run with endurance the race that you've set before me and then strip it away, amen? And then ask God to give you the strength to keep it off because it'll come crawling back. Don't want to put itself right back on you, amen? As I wind this down, Paul was saying this. When temptation comes our way, when the lust of the eyes or the lust of the flesh or the pride of life comes our way, when when these things try to drape themselves around you, when, when mediocrity or compromise or carnality or complacency tries to wrap itself around you, you've got to tear it off, Paul said. You've got to be deliberate about it. I mean, you you have to be deliberate about it. When he said to tear it off, it meant to just rip it off. Don't play around with it. Just take it off, he's saying. And that's what we have to do when it comes to the things of this world. Just like Joseph, who tore off his garment in order to get away from Potiphar's wife. You know that story, and if you don't, Joseph was advancing himself in, in, in the kingdom in which he lived, that God had positioned him there for a reason. And Potiphar's wife approaches him. She wants to seduce him. She wants him to lose his testimony. She wants to get him in bed. She wants his his ministry to be over. But what does he do? He just stripped off his coat and he ran, the Bible says. Stripped it off and left it in her hands. And it's exactly what the Holy Spirit is saying. The world will try to do the same thing. Try to get you in bed. It'll try to seduce you. It'll try to take away your testimony. It'll try to take away your integrity. It'll try to, le- try to take away God's plan and purpose for your life. And when that's there, strip it off. Lay it. Run. It's what the Bible teaches us, church. Joseph did this. The reality is Joseph. And here's where I wind down. Joseph had a vision for greater things than a one-night stand. Joseph had a vision for greater things than the temporary pleasure of Potiphar's wife. Listen, I don't know what your pleasures are. You don't know what my pleasures are. But we have to have a greater vision. We have to have a vision for things greater than the temporary pleasures of this world. And we have to keep our eyes fixed on that. The greatest pleasure we should have is the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ himself. It's why Paul said, this is how I run the race with endurance. I keep my eyes fixed on him, the author and the finisher of my faith. There was no greater pleasure for Paul than to keep his eyes fixed on Jesus. That was his greatest pleasure in life. It was the purpose behind every step that he took. And it's what he's trying to teach us here too. Keep our eyes fixed on the right thing, church. This is how we win, and here's how I close. If you want to win... You have to keep your eyes on Christ, he said, the author and the finisher of your faith. You have to have discipline and purpose in every step. Number two, you have to strip away the cloak of carnality and the ways of this world, the sin and the compromise that this world will try to bring on us. And number three, I said that you have to keep your eyes on the prize. You have to keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. You have to have a vision for greater things than this world could ever offer you. That's how we win. That's how we run in order to win. And we won't win until the clouds roll back, amen? Amen. We won't win until Jesus comes again. So what he's saying is until that time, until the trumpet blasts, until the cloud rolls back, or until we breathe our last breath, we're supposed to run in such a way that we might win. To have purpose in every step. To strip off the things of this world to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and to have a vision for things greater than the temporary pleasures of this world. So how many of you are here tonight say, I want to win? I just want you to stand to your feet because you know what you have to do tonight. Amen. And so we're going to say, Holy Spirit, listen, here's what I close with. You and I can't win on our own. We can't win on our own. We need Jesus Christ. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Father and we need the Word." And guess what? We need one another as well. Because there's times when, 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 when we get weak in our running, we need somebody to come up beside of us and say, Brother Willie, keep on running. Patty, keep on running. Daryl, keep on running. Brother, keep on running. I know it's tough. I know it's rough. But there's a prize that's worth running for. Amen? So if you want the prize, we're just going to pray. And we're just going to ask God to give purpose to every step. Tonight, to strip away the things, you you identify that saying, say, God, strip it away, and then let's refocus our eyes on him tonight. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, first of all, God, for everyone that's in this house tonight, God, that's made their way into your house to hear your word, to be a student of scripture. And I pray in the name of Jesus that these words that were spoken, Father God, would find a place within the soil of their soul. That, Father God, even though they might have been words of correction, they're words of life, Father God, and they're words of strength and they're words of encouragement as well that will empower us, enable us to run in such a way that we might win. I thank you for the prize that you have for each and every one of us, God, and I thank you that when we run this race, we don't run it on our own. We run it with your help, Father God. We run it with the the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit in our lives. So, God, I pray tonight, God, that we would... Father, whatever these things are that have the power to slow us down and trip us up, that that sin that so easily besets us, God, we lay it down tonight. God, we confess it to you. We ask that you would strip it away, God, and that you would remove it from our lives so that we might run with endurance, God, the race that you set before us. Strip off complacency. Strip off mediocrity, Father God. Train us up in righteousness. Help us to become disciplined in your word. To have the spiritual disciplines active in our lives, God. Remove all those things from us. And I pray, God, tonight that you would just help us to focus and fix our eyes on you. The author and the finisher of our faith. The one that's gone before us, God, and paved the path and made the way. So God, help us to just keep our eyes on you through life and throughout the day, God, that when all of the things that this world would try to bring against us to to cause us to turn to the left or cause us to turn to the right or cause us to become distracted or cause us to lose our way, God, that we would stay on the path of righteousness because our eyes are fixed on you. God, I pray that you would help us to have a vision for greater things than this world could ever offer. I pray, God, that you would just take away all those encumbrances, Father. Let these words become living and active within our lives. You know the needs that are represented here, God. You know the weaknesses that we all have. And I pray that you would be strong in the midst of our weaknesses. God, I pray every day that we would be willing to put on our spiritual shoes and put on our spiritual boxing gloves. Realize that we're in a race and we're in a fight at the same time. And that you're, you're there, Father God, to run right beside of us. You're there to punch right along beside of us, Father God. You're there to be with us all the way across the finish line. I'm careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. And I thank you that you're raising up runners to win tonight, God, spiritual athletes, in the name of Jesus. We give you the praise and the glory, and everyone said amen. amen. Can we bless them one more time tonight, church? Amen. God bless you as you go and run to win in Jesus' name.